normally say open up to the book of Colossians, but we're actually not going to go there. We're going to go in Psalms. So go to Psalm 145, please. As you know, we've been uh, working on a series of sermons called Fail Forward, and uh, we were actually going to end that sermon series today, and it was going to be the last chapter of Colossians. But as I was reading through the last chapter of Colossians and and preparing to uh, preach on that, something tragically happened in our country. And uh, as you know, what happened in Uvalde, Texas, was an amazing thing, amazingly evil thing that happened. And as I thought about this, and as I started looking at this idea of failing forward and finishing up Colossians and what Paul was saying, I began to get questions from many people. In fact, I got a question from a friend that I worked with uh, 20-some years ago. She wrote me on Facebook and said, I don't know how to deal with this. And as I sat there and I thought about this and I, and I prayed on this, I realized that we as Christians have to have the answer how we go forward in this nation and what we do with events like what happened this past Tuesday. When I wrote this uh, sermon, it was 18 kids, and I realized that it is now 19 children needlessly and selfishly lost their lives uh, at the hands of an 18-year-old young man. And of course, shortly after that, we hear all of the politicalness that starts in our country because our country is so divided. We begin to hear, oh, it's the gun's fault. No, it's this fault or it's this fault or it's... You know, we can place blame on any one of these things if you want to. But if you take a hard look at things, the truth of the matter is, is that it's not guns that killed... Well, it is guns. The young man used a gun. But it's not to blame the guns. It's not to be political. It's evil. There's no other way of saying this. It takes an evil person to walk into a school, look in the eyes of a third or fourth grader, and pull a trigger. That's evil in its utmost and all. uh, There can't be anything worse. I'm struggling with the words to put to this because of exactly how evil this is. I'm going to ask you to just excuse me for a moment as I get on to and I look at this because I think as Christians we need to pause with what happens. There's a couple things I want to talk about today, but first and foremost we have to understand is that God did not cause this to happen. You know, one of the questions I got from a friend uh, was, did God cause this to happen? God does not cause evil to happen. The other question I got was, well, if God didn't cause it to happen, why does he allow it to happen? And that's a good question to ask. It's a wonderful question to ask because God is all-powerful, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but God is all-powerful. He does know all things. All things go through him. And so did he understand what was going to happen on that day? Yes. He does. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's there at the very beginning. He's at the very end. He was there when you and I were born. Sorry. I don't know if that's the wind or what, but I looked out of the corner of my eye and I saw something flashing. But 
He was there when you and I were born. He was there. He's, he's already there when you and I draw our last breath, whenever that is. We don't know when that is, but God does. He was there at the very moment that each one of these young children that, again, needlessly lost their life on Tuesday was born, and he was there the day that they drew their last breath. We have to understand that evil is in this world not because God is, wants it to be. We have to understand that evil is in this world not because God causes it to be, but evil is in this world actually because we as humans and Satan live in this world. Evil is true and it's all around. It doesn't take very long, even outside of Tuesday. If you just take a moment and you look at what's going on around you, it's amazing to see the level, the, uh, the depth. You know, I used to think that tragic things happened when I was young and then I looked and I realized that it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And every year there seems to be someone that goes, I'm going to up the ante on that evil thing that just happened, Right? And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And why is that the case? Well, simply the case is we understand as Christians, we understand what the case is. The case is that they are without Christ. And they are going in a direction that they're going to go. If you're without Christ, you're choosing to go against the grain of Jesus, which means that you're going away from Jesus, which means that you're going to fall into this world. This world is what? We know that. It's true. It's evil. This world is not owned by Christians. It's not owned the prince of this world, as scripture calls it, is on this world and he's waiting for his moment to triumph over top of us. We can go many places when we talk about evil and we can talk about many evil things that have happened. But ultimately, what I want you to do is I want you to understand today we as Christians have to have a way to communicate to the world around us why these things happen. Because ultimately, if you haven't already, you're going to get the question, why did this happen? Where was God when this happened? How come our faith doesn't, how come Jesus, how come God didn't stop this man from doing those things? That's going to be a question that comes. And we have to be prepared to answer those questions. As Christians, we believe in an all-powerful, all-loving, all-gracious God. There is not one iota, one ounce of evil in God. There cannot be. I'm not just saying that because I love God and I think he's pretty awesome, <laughs> although he is. I'm saying that because if there is evil inside of God, then everything that we read in Scripture talks about him being perfect. All of the things that Jesus did on this earth about him being perfect and living a sinless life would be all for naught. God is the antithesis, if you will, of evil. That's a wordle for you there, right? Hey, I earned my pay today using a, a $10 word, right? Antithesis. I like that. I'm, of course, I couldn't say lit earlier, so that's all right, right? No, but the truth of the matter is, is that God is the opposite, the exact opposite of evil. He has to be, because he has to represent Something that's perfect, something that we strive for, something that we hope for. See, this is a problem that many Christians fall damaged to, and many people in this world, they look to the things of this world, or they look to the things that they can provide as the almighty thing. They look for the dollar, the almighty dollar. If I only had more money in my bank account, if I only had a more power, if I only had this, if I only had that, it would be great. Guess what? It's not going to be great. It's going to be deceived because it's of this world. The only thing that's not evil and that's not deceitful is God himself. 
And so we have to look towards him and understand that he is the author of all things. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 145. We're going to be reading in verses 4 through 9. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. What, what God is, what, what the writer of Psalms, David, is saying here is he's saying, listen, if God is really worth being commended, if he's really, if you really, really like something, you know, I was just talking to Casey before church today about uh, um, reviews and those types of things, right? When you really, really like something, how often are you likely to tell someone about it? right? If you get really good service from someone, you're most likely going to go and tell someone else about that service you got. Or if you uh, happen to uh, have a car or a piece of equipment or something that you really, really like, a piece of clothing that you really, really like. I love my shirt, by the way. I got it from Tractor Supply because I spend big bucks. But I love this shirt, right? And I would encourage anyone that asks if you want to get a shirt like this, go to Tractor Supply and get it because it's awesome, right? That's my recommendation. But listen, if you are leaning into something great and you have found something awesome, you have found something really great, you're going to commend it. You're going to talk about it. So David says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, what David understood and what he was trying to express is that when you understand that you live for a mighty God, an amazing God, then you're going to want to tell people. You're going to want to grow your children up in the same act of the thing that you have grown up in, the thing that you have found. You're going to want to express that to them. You're going to want to teach them how to be Christians. You're going to want to teach them how to serve this amazing God, this mighty God who we live for. He goes on to say, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. David is again coming and saying, not only am I going to commend, not only am I going to talk about this to other people, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to meditate on how wondrous you are. See, what happens is that God is too great for our feeble minds to understand even a small portion of it. We have to grasp a hold of all that we can and understanding how great he is. There is. You can meditate on God and his word every single day for 365 days a year, and you still wouldn't be able to get through all of his gracious, loving features and characteristics of who God is. But David says, I will meditate on your wondrous works on the glorious splendor of your majesty. I love David's words. He has such an awesome way of speaking these things. But then he goes on in verse 6 and says, They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Verse 7, he says, They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Let's pause and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we thank you for this day. As we struggle 
in our country to deal with this evilness that seems to be abounding around us. Scripture tells us, Lord, that it's only going to get worse. You have written in your word, Father, in the inspired words, that the end of days, people will turn to their selfish pleasure, and you will give them over to their evil desires. And that many bad things will happen. And so, Father, we look upon what happened on Tuesday and and we say, Lord, how can it get any worse than that? Lord, we need your help to understand this. We need to be able to counteract our culture that we live in today. And as everyone else is fighting about what caused this and how do we stop it and all of those things, Lord, may we realize that the true answer to how this all ends is you, Father. Help us to have a firm grasp in our theology about how great and good you are and that this evil act that happened was not even closely related to you and and caused by you. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you have done. And Lord, as we talk about this evilness that's in our world, may you protect us and guide us. May you give us even wisdom, Father, to understand how to navigate the times that we live in how to walk this path that you have asked us to walk, to be your servants, to bless you and honor you with all that we do and we say. Father, I pray that my words would not be my own, they would truly be your words, that you would guide us and direct us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you you come, that you convict us of sin, that you give us wisdom to understand what we need to firm up on, and firm our foundation in. Help us to be guided by you, to hear your words, and to be moved by you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. What David knew in Psalm 145 was that we should never forget, never forget that God is good. Right? What's that old saying? God is good? All the time? That's right. And that's something that we should always remember. I mean, that's something funny that we as pastors stand up here and say, and we all uh, respond and we do all those things, and that's great. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's no more truth. This is, the, this is one of the foundation theological, um, founda- theological foundations that we have to live upon, that God is good all the time. There's not an ounce of evil, as I said before, in God. You have to understand that. So you cannot look at God and say God is, gets mad or God is angry or God is evil. God is none of those things. Is God just? Yes, he is. If you do something wrong, there's consequences to be paid. Yes. When you don't obey his word, there are consequences to be paid. But is he... We look at Old Testament and we walk through the Old Testament time, we see that God, surely he punished certain people. If you look at, uh, you know, I could go through, just start naming them, right? Adam and Eve, what did he do with them in the garden? Threw them out of the garden. You go through Noah and you look at Noah and you look at Abraham and Joseph and all of them, all of them had something that they did that God had to work through. But even when God punishes us, even when there's consequences for our actions, we have to have this full understanding that evil is not from God and that God is 100% good. 
Even in his consequences that he asks us to pay, it's not done in evil. Do you understand this? That the consequences that we pay for the actions that we choose to do is for our own good to bring us closer to him. One of the hardest things that we have to understand as human beings is that when we do something wrong, there's a consequence to that action, but that action is meant to draw us closer to God, not further away. It's like raising a child. When you raise a child and you, and you punish your child for whatever reason that is, for whatever they've done, you don't punish that child because you hate that child. You punish that child because you love them and you want them to do something better. Can all the parents say amen? That's right. God is good. There is nothing, no one, no creature, no person, no entity that is better than God. He is the utmost. I love the book. Uh, I forget. Um, I love the book so much. I forget the author. His uh, for his utmost size, Oswald. Yes, Oswald Chambers. Right. Yeah, wrote a book called For His Utmost Highest. And it's an amazing, it's an older book, but it's an amazing book. And if you go through it, you, you can read it. Actually, they actually sell um, uh, daily devotionals that you can go through and you can read it in 365 days. Amazing. And every day he talks about how good God is. See, the problem is, is that when things happen in this world, the very first thing that happens, when something evil happens in this world, the very first thing that we do is we look for someone to blame. We look for something to blame. That's the way our justice system is built. That's the way that our lives are built. When someone, when someone does something wrong to us, the very first thing we want to do in response is either do something evil back to them or we want to blame them for something they did. Now, should they be blamed for the consequences of their actions? Yes, if you do something wrong, there is a consequence that you have to pay for your actions. But too often what happens is that we don't want to look upon ourselves and say, we have allowed this to happen in our world around us by letting people drift away from God, allowing our culture to drift away from God, allowing people to drift. So we don't look upon those things. Instead, we look for something else to blame. And so that's where many politicians and people in the world begin to blame guns. Well, I tell you what, I came from a time and a place, you can ask Christy, that when we went to high school, almost every, uh, every truck and our high school had a shotgun in the back of the truck. And there was not one, not one shooting ever. I, and when I say this, I went to a country school. I went to South, went to Southeast. That's right. Woo! <laughs> We're pirates. We're from pirate country, right? But when I went in there, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say this. You would walk in and 90% of the vehicles inside that parking lot would be trucks. Isn't that right? And in the back of those trucks, hanging up in the, in the windows of the truck, were guns. But we knew how to use the guns. We knew that if you used a gun, it meant that you better be willing to kill whatever you're aiming at. As a, as a young boy, I was taught to hunt, and my father always told me, never, ever point a gun at something that you're not willing to kill. And he said, never, ever point a gun to an innocent human being. He said, if you have to protect yourself because someone is charging against you, then absolutely protect yourself at all costs. I don't want to get on the soapbox there, but what I want to say, the reason why I mention all this is that this evil has been around for generations and generations. It didn't just start when the AR platform became popular. It didn't just start in the last five or ten years. Evil has been around for a long time. I mean, for a matter of fact, we can look at Cain and Abel, right? There wasn't any guns involved there. It was just a rock. 
You can go on and on and on and talk about these things, but what I want to say is that evil has been around since Adam and Eve fell to the serpent. The truth of the matter is that when this happens, we have to understand that the world changed when sin entered into this world that we live in. The world was intended to be all good. God made Adam and Eve perfect in a perfect garden. They had everything they could ever want. They had all of the beauties of the garden. They had all of the food that they could ever dream of. All of the drink they could ever drink. They had it all. It was perfect. And then Satan came around. But why did Satan come around? Let's look at this. And in fact, I want to show you that sin actually started before Adam and Eve. Did you know, did you know that? If we look at Ezekiel chapter 28... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 28. We're going to be starting in verse 14. Old Testament book. Many of you probably haven't got to the book of Ezekiel. But if we look at Ezekiel 28, so the whole entire book of Ezekiel is wonderful. Old Testament. Let me commend you to read the Old Testament. Don't just stay in the New Testament. Read both. The Old Testament is meant to point us to Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment in the New Testament. But when we look at Ezekiel 28, 14, you were anointed, you were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. This very verse that Ezekiel is talking about here, many, including myself, believe that this is a direct foundation of what happened to Satan. This was Satan being thrown out. Ezekiel is prophesying and talking about what happened, and we see in verse 17 that your heart was proud because of your beauty. Satan, we understand, if you, under, if you understand theology and you, and you read your scripture, you know that Satan was not only a cherub, he was the actual head worshiper in heaven. He was the one who would stand up and play his guitar with bald head and a, and a beard. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. I don't know if Satan was bald and had a beard, but he would stand up and he would, he would sing. He would lead worship to God and he, would, he was the lead worshiper. He was singing and he was doing all of these things, but one thing happened. He became proud of his own beauty. He became selfish, if you will. He became corrupted because he, as he began to look upon himself, he decided that he didn't want to stay in the position that he was in. He wanted to be God. Because he wanted to be like God, he began to look and he began to puff him up. Well, listen, you know what? I can sing really, really well. I can also, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a guardian cherub. I'm, I'm here. I'm a, I know I have all of this wisdom. I have all of these things. And I'm beautiful. And I'm handsome. And I can do all of these things. And so he began to deceive himself, if you will. And what we find is that the first sin actually didn't happen through Adam and Eve, if you want to be serious. 
the first sin happened in heaven with Satan failing by looking upon himself. And so what does God do? God casts him to the ground and exposes him before kings. We find in the book of Ezekiel that Satan became proud and that is where sin began. And because of his selfishness, because of his wanting to be like God, he was cast out. And then we know that in Genesis, listen, I didn't put Genesis up here, but we know that in Genesis, Adam and Eve fell to Satan because Satan comes in and what does he do? He deceives them. Satan does this for everyone. He deceives you. That's what Satan's main uh, optimotum, or optum, uh, optimotum? What? Yeah, modus operandi. I'm trying too hard here now. Yeah, no more ten dollar words. I'll go back to the I'll go back to the southeast language. Okay, uh, I'm kidding. So, but this is this is how Satan operates, right? This is who he is. I'm going to deceive myself, make myself look like God, say that I can be like God. I can be this great angel. I can be this great beauty. I can be all of these things. He's cast down from heaven to this earth, and what does he do? He stands before the earth and he says he goes to Adam and Eve and he deceives them. He twists. God's words. He doesn't come out and say, God is a liar. He says, did God really say that? Did God really say that you will die? The birth of evil was actually in the heart of Satan. And it comes to this earth when Adam and Eve fall prey to him. The question should never be whether, whether evil... Where did it come from? The question we should always ask is, how do we get rid of it? See, evil has been around and will always be around, unfortunately. There is no way for us to get around it. In this world we live in, this world was given over to Satan. God cast him down to this place. And then he comes down and what does he do? In an ultimate act of love, Jesus comes and he dies on the cross for our sin. Because we have been deceived. We have been deceived from Satan, thinking that we could live through this life and be perfect, and we could work our way to heaven. Well, you can't. Satan, as evil, tries to get Jesus, even tries to get Jesus to fall to him. Do you understand that in the very early days of Jesus' ministry, when he's, he's in the desert and he's, he's fasting for 40 days, And Satan comes to him and says, oh, if you just bow down before me, I will give you whatever you want. If you just do this, if you just do that. Can you imagine the gall of Satan to come before the Son of God and try to convince him to accept? If he can can threaten or if he can tempt Jesus, why do you think that he doesn't tempt humans here on this earth? thinking that, oh, if I just go out and buy a gun and I go into a school and I shoot someone, that's going to make me popular. That's going to make me, everyone's going to talk about me. Oh, if I just do this, if I just cheat on my taxes, if I just cheat on my job, if I just steal this or I do that and I have a little bit more money, then people are going to look at me and say, this is what's going on. Evil is around us all. 
And in fact, it's in us all as well. We live in an evil culture. We live in an evil world. And it is a job of ours as followers of Christ to overcome that evil. Evil is directly related to Satan. And he is the one who challenges us in this earth. God's answer is true, though in Romans chapter 1, many of you probably know this verse, but I'm going to read it anyway. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Paul, you're going to have to uh, lead me through because it's not working up here. Uh, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanging the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to the impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise give up national relations with women and were consumed with passion for another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to their debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were all full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Though they knew, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Paul wrote this to the Romans roughly 2,000 years ago. They believe the book of Romans was written somewhere in the 40 to 70 AD time frame. We're in 2022, so maybe 20 years less than 2,000 years ago. And he's writing this to a group of people from Rome, and he's talking about not only the Romans, he's talking to the church in Rome, the Christians in Rome, if you will, but he's talking about the people during that time. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read through that list, guess what I see? I see today. I see the very things that are going on today. Now, if Paul is writing this to the Romans 2,000 years ago, and evil has had 2,000 years to operate in this world, how bad do you think it is now 2,000 years later? 
it's pretty bad. See, the truth of the matter is, is that we as we live in a country that you there are churches on many corners. I love my brothers and sisters from other, other churches. But let's be honest. Right across the street, there's a Methodist church. Right down the road, there's CBC. Right across here, there's a congregational church. Right down the road, there's at, um, uh, Grace, Grace Church. Almost called it New Milford Baptist. That was the old days. It's now called Grace Baptist or Grace Church. There's churches everywhere. You turn on your radio, and guess what? At least one channel on your radio, if you still listen to FM radio, by the way, but if you do, one channel on that radio is going to be dedicated to Christian radio. The fish, if you will, or, or you can listen to WCRF. If you turn on uh, Sirius XM, there's, there's Christian radio station there. There's Christianity has been fully developed into our country everywhere you look. Everywhere you go, Christianity is there. And so there are no excuses for anyone in this world, in this country, at least in our country, of why you couldn't follow. You probably have heard of God. You probably heard of Christ at some point in your life. Which means that we have chosen. There are certain people in our life. See, it's a choice that God gives to us, but we have chosen not to follow him. If you're not following Christ, then you're following the devil of this world, which is Satan himself. Why? Because you're living for the things of this world. We have to make a choice. This line in the sand has been drawn. We're either following God or we're following Satan. There is no in-between. You can't say, I don't follow God, but I love, but I, I... Some people that will come to you and say, there is no God. That means there is no devil. <laughs> go out and walk and go, go, see, uh, go see a Sequoia National Park. Go look at a redwood. Go look at uh, Glacier National Park. Go look at, um, where were we last year in California? Yosemite. Go through the, the tunnel into Yosemite and see the mountains on each side and tell me that there's no God. Go sit on the beach of Hawaii and tell me there's no God. Listen, God is everywhere we look. He is there. He's making himself plainly known to us. He has made himself plainly known to every single one of us in this room. And so our choice is we either have to follow him or we follow this world. It is not only our choice, but it's the choice of every single person. That young man who went into the school and shot the school had a choice to follow God or not. He obviously was evil. He obviously was not following God. And so he chose not to do that. Paul tells us all of these things. He goes through this amazing list of things and says, this is what's going on. This is exactly what's going on in our nation today. When you choose to not follow God, at some point God's going to say, listen, you want to do that? Sure, go ahead. When your kid comes up to you constantly and says, dad, dad, I want to touch the stove. I want to touch the stove. I want to touch the stove. And you keep saying, no, it's hot. No, it's hot. No, it's hot. And then finally, after a hundred times, they come and say, Dad, I want to touch the stove. Well, fine. You want to touch the stove? Go ahead. Do you want them to touch the stove? No. You know, are they going to burn their hand? Yes, they're going to burn their hand. Is it going to hurt? Are they going to scream? Yes, they are. But guess what? They're going to learn. Hopefully. God is at some... And I, I speak like God gets tired of us. God never gets tired of us. He loves us. And he's always there. But it, he... Again, our actions have consequences. And so if we choose to follow or not follow God, then he's going to allow us to fall into the consequences of our actions. 
How do we overcome evil? We have to understand that evil happens because God loves us. You understand that? I don't have enough time to do a deep, immediate dive into this, but evil happens in this world. God allows evil to happen in this world. Do you understand that? God is God. He is the God of all things. He's the creator of all things. He controls time. He controls all of these things. So God allows evil to happen. He has to because he's the, he's the amazing creator of all things. But listen, when we say that, then you immediately say, you mean God allowed the shooting to happen? No, God mourned for every one of those childs that died. Childs? Child that died. Every one of those young kids, every one of those teachers that passed away, God mourned. God actually mourned for the shooter too because he loves them. But here's the choice we make. God wants us to choose to follow him. He loves us. He loves us so much so that he says, listen, I'm not going to force you into anything. I don't believe in predestination. I don't believe that God comes down and says, Belinda, you got it. Congratulations. You're saved. Chaz, sorry. Uh, Chad, congratulations. You're saved. I don't believe in that. That's what predestination, predestination means that God has predestined who is going to be saved and who's not. I don't believe that. I believe that God gives us free choice. He gives us a choice to make. He goes, this is how great it can be. This is how beautiful it can be. Look at Yosemite. Look at the mountains. Look at the woods. Go walk in the woods. Go smell a flower. And then tell me how wonderful these things are. And tell me that you can't choose how wonderful I am. God says, you make the choice. So he's not forcing any one of us to make that choice. He's not forcing you or I or anyone else in this room to make a choice. He's saying, you get a choice to make. But because he gives us that choice, what happens is that we can choose evil as well. That means if, he would, if God would have stopped all evil things from happening, how many of you in this room right here would not be saved? Let's be honest about this. Sometimes we need evil to happen in our life because it draws us unto him. If God stopped all evil from happening, many people in this world would not be Christians as they are today. And so God uses these things. Instead of allowing evil to happen, what God does is this, listen, I love you so much that I'm going to turn those evil things into beautiful things. And those beautiful things are when we come to know him, when we accept him, we have these beautiful things that happen in our lives. <clears throat> Romans 1 is a picture of what an evil world looks like. But God's choice for us, God's beauty for us, is for us to choose him. The truth is is that God has given you the opportunity to choose between evil and right. And he does that decision. He gives you that choice because he loves you. And he wants you to choose him, to serve him, to follow him. If he came down and forced us to do that, that's called slavery. No one wants to be in slavery. We want to worship a God who loves us. We want to worship a God who wants to be with us. And he wants us to worship him, wanting to be with him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. So with this question of how do we overcome evil? Well, we overcome evil by making a choice. If evil is a choice to make, 
If you and I, Paul, can you go to that next slide, please? If you and I have a choice to make, if you and I have a choice to either follow Christ or not follow Christ, then so does everyone outside in this world. And so the fastest way that we can overcome evil in this world is to share our faith with those that need it. Just think about it for a moment. If one person, if one stinking person who went to church in Texas would have reached out to that young man and said, you know what? God loves you. I know you've had a rough life. I know your parents weren't the best parents. But there's a better way. <clears throat> there's someone who loves you so much. If they would have just... <coughs> Excuse me. Just think how much of a different situation it could be. See, the problem of it is, is that we look at situations like what happened in Texas and say, yeah, too bad someone didn't reach out, but we are blind to the ones that are right next to us here. Do you know that in every one of our lives, there's probably someone who is capable of doing the same thing that that young man did down in Texas? You may think to yourself, no, pastor, you don't know my family. My family is perfect. Isn't it, buddy? Right? I'm kidding. Our family is not perfect. We're far from it. We're not that far from it, but we're far from it. But listen, in every single person's life, there's someone who is right on the edge of choosing, do I go and choose evil? Do I continue to go down this path? And do I explore what this world has to offer? Or do I explore and choose Christ? And if we as Christians want to overcome evil, the quickest way of overcoming evil is to share our faith with people around us. To stand up for our faith and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and there's nothing greater than him. And so therefore, I must share my faith. I must do nice things to people. I should go over to my neighbor and ask my neighbor, how's he doing? Can I help you with something? Is there something I can help you out with? Maybe I should talk to my coworker at work who's having a bad day, a really bad day, and seems to be really angry and say, you know what, Why, uh, can we talk? Do you need to talk? Maybe I have a relative who is struggling and going through things. Listen, every single one of us have these. God has given us because he loves us and he loves them so much. He's giving us. He's, he's building up inside you. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what being a Christian is all about. To understand how you can go out to someone and say, listen, I love you. I want to share my faith with you. I want you to see that there's better ways. God has given us that ability and he's calling us to do those things. But just like that young man chose or not chose evil, guess what? We get to choose or not do those things too. We get to say, ah, not today. I'm not going to go over and talk to the neighbor today. I'm too tired. Had to work all week. Had to work over. Got to go home and mow the yard. Got to do this, got to do that, right? I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things, but there are, we are called to share our faith. God wants us to choose to do that. So if you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, may I challenge you. May I look at you and say, go and share your faith with others. Reach out to them. Show them that there is a better way than choosing evil. Don't let them get to the place that they think it would be better to go into a school and shoot up Will we stop all evil? No, we're not. If you read scripture and you spend any time in the book of Revelations, you know that the times are only going to get worse. But guess what? All we have to do is change one. 
And if that one would change one, and that one would change one, and that one would change one, guess what? We're well on our way to something that's called a revival, which I long for in this country. To see this world changed for God. To see our communities and our neighborhoods turned upside down for Him, where we choose to follow the God who loves us instead of the evil of this world. Will you stand with me, please? I know it's a little warm in here today, so thank you for keeping up with us, keeping up with me, and just be, say a little bit of a hallelujah, because next week we'll have air conditioning, right? Hallelujah. (laughs) I'd rather have to bring a blanket than have to stand up here and sweat, that's for sure. but. But may I encourage you today, on this day, a day when we celebrate, well, tomorrow, when we celebrate the choice that men and ladies made to go into battle. I think about, when I think about Memorial Day, I think about D-Day. I don't know why. It's just common. I know it's not just D-Day. There are many other days where men and ladies lost their lives for our country. But they had an understanding that once they got off that boat, when they stormed that beach, that a large percentage of them were going to die. They knew that before they got off the boat. In fact, they were told, if you go back and you read your history books, they were told, keep shooting as long as you can breathe. But they chose to do that. They chose to stand up for our country. I ask you today, can we have just an ink, just a, just a small percentage, just a small bit of the courage to share our faith like they did to save the world? Can we just have that strength to go out and say, I'm going to just do something. I'm going to share the love to my kids' baseball team. I'm going to go to my neighbors and bless them. I'm going to ask them if I can help them with something. I'm going to go to my co-workers and say, hey, have you heard about this? Pray for them. Pray for those that are sick, that are hurting. Make a choice to do good versus evil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I certainly understand that in this room and maybe even watching online at home, there are some that maybe have never made the choice to follow you. And so today, Father, before we continue to pray, before we go into worship to end our service today, I want to ask you, Father, to prick the hearts of those that are around us, to convict them. Say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to choose righteousness. I need to choose what is good. I need to choose love versus evil. And so today, if you're here or you're watching online at home, may you choose to follow Jesus. Paul says in the book of Romans later on after chapter in chapter 10, he says that if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that I can have everlasting eternal life. What that means is that we can make a choice to follow Jesus by saying, I believe in you. I choose you versus evil. I choose you and the grace that you have for me over what this world has to offer. And because of that, I want to build a relationship with you and I want to change and I want to grow. And I want to become more like you. It's as simply as saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my King. 
If you're here today and you've already said those words, but you've allowed the world to pull you away and you've seen yourself choosing evil more than you've seen choose uh, God, then make a choice today. Again, your faith, your choice to follow Jesus doesn't end with salvation. It's an everyday simple choice that we make to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to follow Jesus more than I did yesterday. I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek Him more today than I did yesterday. To choose good versus evil, to choose this world, and then to choose to follow Him and to do what He calls us to do, to go out and make disciples of all men and all ladies. Father, help us today to follow You. Forgive us for the evilness of this world. Protect our hearts. Let us never grow cold to the evil of this world, Father. But let us always be in the goodness and the grace and mercy of you. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. I cast I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, the Savior of that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all Forever, 
shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My knees on Jesus' knees. so much for this day. Father, the task of reaching the whole world seems so hard. Seems so unsurmountable. But you don't call us to reach the whole world. You call us to reach our neighbors. To reach out to the ones around us. So Father, will you empower us as we leave this place to share the gospel, the good news of Christ to those around us so that we can, even in the midst of evil, see the grace of God and the love of God reign supreme over all of us. And Father, I pray even now and even today, Lord, for all of those that will be ending school in the next few weeks, the school districts and all of the teachers and principals around us and all of those that are represented here. Father, may you give them protection. May you give them grace. Lead them. Give them wisdom of how to reach the kids around them, Father. And protect them from the evil one. Protect us from the evil one, Father. And help us to share the gospel, the good news. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. If you have time, we'll be actually packing up to move things to Camp Carl. If you have time and you want to stick around and help us, we would love to have time. I will serve you pizza if you do that. Uh, But uh, otherwise, have a great week. God bless you all. We'll see you again next week.